Today is going to be the start of something a little bit different, uh, sort of, kind of. And you might think, well, this is an odd time to do this. I want to talk about the local church. All right, so you guys, you're the bomb. Can I use that word? You're, you're, you're what's happening. You're the, the energy um, that moves the church, capital C. If it were not for the local church, the big church wouldn't exist. When Jesus started the church, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When you get to the book of Acts, where the church explodes after that first wonderful day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost fell on them, they saw tongues of fire, and strange words came out of their mouth. They spoke in tongues that they hadn't learned. When the Holy Spirit showed up, and Jesus said in verse 8 of chapter 1, He said, wait for what? The Holy Spirit. And He will make you happy. What? Empower you. For what? That's what we're going to talk about. He is going to empower us to do works of service. Listen, God has a plan. And you're a part of it. I'm a part of it. The plan is to build heaven. It, at the first stage, it's, it's kind of by faith because we come and we go. We live this life, then we die, and then one day, we're all going to come out of the ground or wherever we're at, and we're going to be in our new bodies. Now, today I'm wearing this because, amen, I'm wearing this because it makes me look slimmer. I think. But when I'm in that glorious body, I'm, I'm going to be all that. So are you. And you know what? We're not going to be looking at each other because we're all going to be so awesome. We're just going to go, eh. We're awesome. We're all awesome in that glorified body. So the local church, that's what we're going to talk about. And, and I, I have my clicker here. Oh, John, can you make sure I can see it back there? I appreciate that. He's getting me on there. Let me just say this. There are going to be uh, a couple of guest speakers that are coming over the next few weeks, and um, you're going to really enjoy them. Uh, one has written a book, and I'm going, to, I'm going to try to make sure those are available for you if you want to get a copy when he comes. And he's going to actually do two Sundays in a row. Uh, his name is Ted Branshaw, and uh, he has a great ministry. It's a worldwide ministry, and I think you'll really appreciate all that he brings. Uh, and the reason that I brought him in was I thought, you know what, this guy's an expert in this area. And I want to jump off of what he does after the two weeks that he speaks in August. And uh, we're just going to keep running with this theme. So you'll see where we're going as we progress. But you might say, well, why are we doing that now? We're in COVID-19 right now. You know, half the church is missing, right? 
Well, listen, even if you're home, I want you to take these messages and apply them to your heart. Because I believe that even if you're not here, you're still a part of this body. And I'm going to get into that a lot more as we progress here today. Here's the main theme of this. We are all in this together. Can you say that with me? We are all in this together. So the question is, what are we in? What are we in? Because you have to think about that. Why? Because if you know why you're in and what you're in, you're either in a whole heap of trouble or you're in some good stuff. Whatever it is, it, it makes you more proactive when you understand what it is that you're in. You get that? Let me, let me give you another example. If I say, you know what? I want to exercise. How many of us do that? How long does it usually last? Other than you skinny people, how long does it usually last? You know? <laughs> we do. So most of us don't even get to the place where we actually lift a weight or walk a mile. Most of us just talk about it. You get that? And, and what does that lead to? <laughs> well, this is what we're in. This is what we're in. So in Christ, say this with me, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Look at your neighbor and say, we're in this together. We're in this together. All of us are. I love the language that Paul uses here. One body, one member, belongs. To me, this sounds like something you'd find in a family, doesn't it? Right? A close-knit family. For example, when I, when I think of some of you, and I asked if I could point them out, like the Cooks. The Cook families, they have eight people in their family. When you think of the Cooks, you don't think of one of them. You don't think of dad. You don't think of mom. But you think of the whole family, the whole tribe. Because they all make the Cooks what that family is. The same can be true, can be said about the hope. When people say, well, what is the hope? You are. You're the Hope family. We're all in this together. Every single one of us make up a part of this church. You who are sitting at home right now, if you're a part of the Hope, you make up this family. Just because they're not here doesn't mean they're not part of the family. Are you hearing that? And this is something that a lot of times we struggle with because we think, well, you know, that person hasn't been here in months. That doesn't matter. I have, I have run into people who swear that this, I don't mean cuss, they swear that this is their church and they've been here once and not for five years. And they'll tell people, yeah, that hope, that's my church. Okay. They're part of the family. Put, a, put another way, and this is a little, little touch here. When we lose a loved one, 
a member of the family. And some of you have recently. We just lost another one this morning. There's always a hole or a void left where that person was. You don't forget about them. Right? You recognize that we're not what we could be because they're not here. And they're missed dearly. The same is true about the church. I love the message. Pastor Barber, are you in here? What, what, mess, what version did you read from today? The Passion Bible. All right, well, this is the message. I wanted to read that verse again, 12.5, and I included six because it doesn't make sense in the message without it. So I've got it up behind me if you want to read along. Romans 12, 5 and 6 in the message says, the body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. You should be excited about that because you're chosen. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. Listen to this part. But as a chopped off finger... I know it's gross. Or cut off toe, been there. We wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, verse 6, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Make sense? This is the body of Christ. This is the family that God the Holy Spirit has knit together. It began in the book of Acts. For whatever reason, God chose local churches to be His primary emphasis for the church because it's healthy. When we know each other, it's much easier to pray. It's much easier to gird each other up. It's much easier to go knocking on their door and saying, hey, how are you doing? Haven't seen you in a while. That's what the family does, right? And I shared this verse to make the point that we all, every single person, man, woman, boy and girl, babies, we all make up the body. We're all family. And Paul goes into a whole lot more detail here, by the way. Uh, In fact, I would ask you to go back and read chapter 12 and look at the other things that he discusses there because he talks about how some of the different parts are, are more noble, some are less noble, but yet they're more protected. And you'll figure that out as you read it. Today, I want you to see that We are all a part of the body of Christ. And we all belong to each other. And and that's scary. Can you belong to me and I belong to you as part of this family? That's a little unnerving, isn't it? If if he could borrow some of my stuff. Well, if I've got something you need, let me know. The boat. Besides the boat. Anything, anything can but the boat. <laughs> Unless it's on a day that it's raining and cold and, and, and then you're welcome to it. 
I'm just messing with it. <laughs> We're all needed to carry out what the Lord wants to do in his local church at the Hope in Gaylord, Michigan. All of us are needed. Can I get a good amen? amen? So to be in something, you must know what your part is, what's expected of you. And that's where I'm going this summer. By the end of this summer, I want you to be so excited about who you are in Christ's body that you're not going to be able to stand it if you haven't already done this until you find your place. So if you don't show up the rest of the summer, I'm going to know something's up. All right? Keep on coming back. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Because I believe this message is going to change something here. Somebody asked me, uh, you know, how do you feel about the, the environment we're in right now, spiritually speaking? And it's tough, right? I mean, we don't know from one week to the next what's going to be asked of us. And by the way, the, the church is, I have to be careful how I put this, we're exempt from uh, penalty if we don't wear our masks. However, you know, those of you who feel you need to wear them, please wear them. There's nobody here that's going to say anything, and I've been really careful not to even make fun of it, because it's not a joke. And we all need to recognize we're all in different places. So if you choose to wear a mask, God bless you. If you don't, don't make fun of the ones that are. Because we've actually had some people that aren't here today that are waiting until this whole thing opens up because they didn't want to deal with that. And that's wrong. Respect each other. Love each other. Enough just to say, hey, if it works for you, great. Right? We're all part of the family. Many years ago when Barb and I were new in the Lord, we heard of this man who was speaking and, and somebody said, man, you got to go listen to them. So we drove a distance to hear him. And he started to share about his ministry in the Bronx, New York. And as we sat there, we were just glued to every word he was sharing with us. He was kind of odd to begin with, and this was in the 80s, but his hair was like down to here. And I'd never seen a preacher with hair down to there before. And that alone just sort of went, wow, I like this guy. But then he started to share how where he ministered was basically a war zone if you know anything about the Bronx in the 80s uh, it was he literally had to put iron doors on his apartment so they couldn't kick it in to rob him his wife wore he said this several pairs of pants with several belts on each pair or a, a belt on each pair so that it would take them longer to be able to rape her again. She'd already been raped once. We heard this, and as young Christians, young, we were young anyway, literally young. As we listened to this man's testimony, the two of us were like, oh my Lord, what are we supposed to do with this? 
And we, we both, we were so moved that we took some of our valuables that we had that day, we threw them in the offering plate. Thinking maybe this will help him, help his wife to, to do the job that God's called him to do, the ministry that God's called him to do. But that wasn't enough. We still inside, we were still internally a mess. We're like, I felt, I felt guilty that they were doing so much and, and we were doing so little. We had a lot to learn. We were young in the Lord. And as we wrestled with that, the Holy Spirit finally got a hold of us and he, he said, Norm, Barb, look, you guys just need to do what you can do. Sometimes sacrificially, you know, sometimes when you serve the Lord, he'll ask you to do things that are above and beyond what your comfort zone allows for. That's what it means to be sacrificial. But as long as we did that, the Holy Spirit shared with us that we were good and He would bless that. He would bless us. And both of us were like, okay, we can do that. We, we prayed for them. We, we gave to their ministry. We got involved in our local church in Lansing. It wasn't the Bronx, New York, but that wasn't where God was calling us at that moment in time. We were planted in Lansing. And that guilt, and by the way, guilt is not from the Lord, right? Conviction is. Now, <laughs> if you're just feeling like the Lord's doing this, that's okay, that's Him. But when you're feeling guilty, like you've been defeated, like you can't do it anymore because there's no way you're going to ever be able to do what that person does, that's not from the Lord. That's the devil trying to mess with you. Don't put yourself in that place. And that's what we learned early on. Is this making sense to anybody besides me? He also showed us something that was very important, and that is that we all have a part to do. All right, the church is not complete without whatever it is we have to give. And it might be small or it might be big. And, and I'm smart enough to know that some people do a lot more in the church than others. And this isn't to chastise anybody here. What I'm trying to get you to see is it doesn't matter how big or small your part is, you, you need a part. All right, I don't care if it's just something little. Hey, can I come in and clean the church for an hour? Where's Mike? Would Mike, would Mike mind? Mike would appreciate that. It's a big building. We need everybody here. There are so many things God wants to do, but He can't do it unless He has a family of believers who are willing to do whatever it takes to see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We see this also in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Paul planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. This is the church right here. I don't know if you knew this. You know, Paul, he preached this. He said, look, I'm not a very eloquent speaker. 
And I would lump myself in that. I'm not Paul either. You guys got jilted, but anyway. Paul was not a great speaker. His wisdom was beyond his years. But Apollos, he had what we call the silver tongue. That man was eloquent. He could make you feel like a million bucks even when you only had a penny. That's the kind of guy he was. Interestingly, he learned from Phoebe. I love that part. A woman! Hallelujah! And Paul said, hey, I started this. I planted these churches. Paulus came in. He continued the work and taught the people. And then God watered it. What happens when something's watered? I just saw this firsthand, Rose. Rose came over and helped Pastor Barb do a little gardening because we aren't the greatest at it. Our thumbs aren't green. They aren't even brown. I don't know what they are, but they don't grow things. So she came over with her husband, Marv, and they helped Barb plant some plants. One of them, they put it in the ground, and the thing looked like somebody did this on it. And then the deer came, and, and it actually tried to eat the thing when it was... There was nothing there. Well, here's the thing. Rose said... Everybody, what did Rose say? When Rose speaks, everybody listens, right? Rose said, water it, and it will one day just do this. Boing! I saw it happen yesterday, my birthday. That thing just started going like this, and I'm like, hallelujah, Rose was right. I watered it, and it grew. Well, God grew it, but you get the idea, all right? We're all in this together. I wanted to share a similar concept found in Ephesians, and I've got this up behind me. Oops, thought I already had that up. There we go. These, this is where I'm going. I skipped a couple verses in there, but just so you see that. Realize that the Apostle Paul is imprisoned in Rome, and yet he wanted to get this letter out. It was so important to get this to the church in Ephesus. And I want you to understand that he's talking to the believers. In verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, he actually says, he's, I'm addressing the holy people. You ain't holy if you ain't believers. Right? So these are believers in the church. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. Now, how many agree that you don't beg somebody if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing? Right? I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. What's the calling? God calling. I did it again. The condition one enters upon the acceptance of a summons. God has summoned you. Especially all that is expected of a person who accepts God's summons to the hope of salvation in Jesus. This is us. This is the Bible lexicon that I got this out of. This definition. 
For you have been called. God calling. Daring God has called you to something. You know that. God is calling everyone in this room. Always be humble. Always be gentle. I skipped a part. When God calls you, let me say this. How many are familiar with the football scene? You like it? National Football League? NFL? I'm not supposed to share anything. We're not putting their picture up or their logo, but we probably get sued. But on a, a football team, let's say the NFL or the Canadian team or whatever, they hire a kicker. All right? They call them and say, look, we want you to do this. We're going to give you such and such an amount. Yeah, okay, I agree. First week of the game start, he doesn't show. Second week, he doesn't show. What, what does that team have to do when that person doesn't show? You familiar with second string, third string? I don't know if they have fourth strings. That'd be way out there. They hired the first guy to be first string, meaning that he had the most promise. This was his calling. This is what he was supposed to do to help them win the football game. But because they had to bring in the second or the third stringer, maybe somebody got hurt, whatever, that guy'd get up there, kick it 30 yards, should have gone in, it hits the post, they lose the game. In the church, God has called you to be a first stringer. Not second, not third, but often in the church, we are using fifth and sixth stringers who aren't called to do what they're doing just to make sure the doors are open. Can you see where this is going? All right, now back to the message. Woo. Verse 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Oh, help us. Making allowance. <clears throat> this is the part. Making allowance for one another's faults. Wow, come on. Get this. Get this. And, and this isn't just for the church, folks. This is for home, too. We're all family. Whether blood or, or spiritually speaking, it grieves my heart when I hear of people who are picking on other people because they're not up to their standard. Come on, what is that? Humble, patient. That's what Paul commanded them to do, to be. Don't pick on each other's faults. You know, and I started thinking about this. And <laughs> How many? And Don't raise your hand, man. You come home, you've worked all day. And this is being a little bit old in my thinking because a lot of you ladies are working today. But let's just say for the, for the, the sake of this argument I'm trying to bring, that you're home, okay? You, you are working as a mother. And let me tell you something. Moms work 
harder than anybody on the planet. I said it, all right? You can, you can stone me later. But I, I believe that. And you come in the door after your long eight hours with all your union breaks and your, your long drive home without screaming babies. Thank, thank you for the, the sound authentication. And you look at your wife and you're like, yeah, baby, I've been, I've been working all day. I come in and, and, and I got to look at this. You know, no makeup. She's all frazzled. Hasn't put on a sexy dress for you. What are you looking at? You're looking at how she looks when, when you should be looking at she did five loads of laundry. She made breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was a human taxi all day long. She cleaned the house, probably went out and tried to plant something in the yard. <laughs> or called Rose. <laughs> and all you think about when you come in the door is what she didn't do. We do that with each other in the church. Right? Yeah. We do. Yeah. We shouldn't, but we do. Be positive, folks. Look for the good in people. I don't care who it is. If you look hard enough, you're going to find some good. Barb used to do this to the boys, and it drove them nuts. They'd say something negative. She'd say, all right, now I want to hear three things positive about that person. They started running out of things, so they quit getting negative. Make every effort. Little effort? Some effort? Every effort to what? Keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. Hallelujah. When you have unity, you have peace. If you've ever been in a church that has been coming unglued, you know what I'm talking about. Where the unity isn't there. And, and the Lord says, where there is unity, I will be there. That's the other part. You want to know why the Spirit of God isn't in a church? It's because there's division. There's disunity. But if you and I work on this theme this summer... If we can make this thing happen where there's unity in the Spirit, we're doing our parts. We're loving each other. We're not finding fault. You're not looking at me going, man, where'd that message come from? Ugh. I should have listened to the brother across the road. If that's where you're supposed to be, then listen to him. But if you're here, you listen to this man because this is the message God has for this church. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. For there is one body <laughs> and one spirit. One body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. 
We're all part of one family. We're all part of God's family. Listen, you can try to distance yourself. I already talked about this a little bit. You can try to distance yourself from your family. You can even disown us. But you're still a part of our family. Right? How many know you've got people in your family that have done that? But you still love them, like your brother, like your sister, because they are, even though they're numbskulls at, at times. And I mean that love. You know what I'm saying. And, and the same is true. It's, it's easy for us to get frustrated with somebody in your family that's not carrying their load. How many have ever had a lazy member of the family and you end up picking the slack up? Young people, man, you need to do better on cleaning your rooms. I've heard that from your parents. Some of them are adults and I've heard that about them. We all need to do our part. That brings unity, that brings health to your family. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Father God is the head. All right? We're not in two different religions. It's one religion. It's one faith. Jesus Christ. One body. You can't, you can't go find another body. It's all the same body. Wherever you land, it's all the body of Christ. If it's a Christian church. So stop trying to find something that isn't there. Get yourself involved where God has planted you. I'm going to talk about that. There's a reason for that. But not yet. Verse 7. However, I love this. He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That word gift is the word grace. That's where we get the word grace. When God extends his grace to you and then throws the word special in front of it, whoo, you can't outdo God's special gift. You can't. You can't buy God's special gift. When he gives you something special, what does it mean? There are few others that have it. Hello? So if God gives you, Billy, God gives you a special gift. And you don't use it, what happens? The church doesn't have Billy's special gift. I didn't ask if I could pick on you, but hopefully that's all right. You see what I'm trying to say? What the Holy Spirit's trying to say to us today? If you don't use it, then it isn't available. And when God says he gives us something generously, whew, you better hang on. Because you're not going to outdo whatever it is God's trying to do in your life. Jump it down to verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. I know this doesn't sound like much, doesn't look like much, but I'm a gift. You're welcome. All right. 
I'm telling you, if more parishioners, more people in the fellowship felt that way, the average length of time a pastor stayed in the church would be more than three years. And I'm, I'm happy to say last Wednesday was our anniversary here at the church. We st- we, we started our 19th year. 19. 19 years. So that either says that we're really stubborn or you guys have loved on us to the point where we haven't felt like we needed to leave yet. The gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I wanted to read something from the word studies in the New Testament just to explain what these are. Now, first, the apostles, all right? There are a few contemporaries who like to use this title. I have a hard time with that. I believe that an apostle is someone that knew Christ, that watched him rise from the dead. They were commissioned by Christ and given special inspiration, special works of healing ministries, miracle ministries. We saw that. We see that in the book of Acts, of course. And an unlimited commission to plant churches. We saw that. We don't see that today. It it can't happen because nobody can see Christ rise from the dead. So I don't think the apostle's title is something for today. All right, That's my feeling. You may feel differently. That's okay. Do we need to be divided over this? If you, if you feel apostles are for today, who cares? If I go to somebody's church and they call the man apostle, whatever. If that works for you, as long as you're loving Jesus and loving the people, I don't care. Just keep the word right. Prophets, these are preachers, expounders under the immediate influence of the Spirit and distinguished from the teachers. All right? So we still do have prophetic voices today, but they're not at the level that our uh, prophets in the Old Testament were. And of course, like John, I mean, the man wrote the book of Revelation. How many would agree that that's a little, that's another level of prophecy? All right, But we still, according to the gifts, we still have prophecy in the church. I pray for that. That God would, would birth that in some of you. And you would stop being afraid to speak it out publicly. Well, what if I say something wrong? Ah! We all make mistakes. I get up there every Sunday and make mistakes. I said something a couple weeks ago, Pastor Roger, if you're listening. I said that when the Lord was on the cross, his bones were broken, and I knew that wasn't right. Because when we take communion, we talk about it. His broken body, not bones. The Bible says, prophecy says, a bone in his body will not be touched. So I misspoke, and I apologize to all of you for that. 
So there, Pastor Roger, I did it. Because he was the one that called me out. And I went, you know what? Sometimes you get, you get moving and you just you say things. that I want you to challenge me if I misspeak. I try to be so careful with what I deliver to you folks. Evangelists are basically traveling missionaries. And by the way, um, I mentioned this. We gave $1,000 to the Syrian refugee ministry. Uh, Pastor Randy Marin and his wife. And we started supporting them at uh, $50 a month from the church. That's a part of you. If you give, that's you, okay? And I already got a thank you back from him. And he said, brother, thank you to your church. He says, we're praying for you. And I'm sitting there going, ha! You can't outgive people. We're praying. When, that, when somebody tells me they're praying for us like that, and I know they're exhausting themselves every day to reach those people, I get excited about that. And then he turns around and says, yeah, well, you gave that to me, so I'm praying for you. And I'm like, oh. I feel good about that. But that's you. That's me. It's not us. Or that's us. That's not just me. We're all a part of that. Pastors and teachers. The word pastor here rightfully should be shepherd, all right? And the verb here is to tend as a shepherd. So when I come into this role, as God's called me, I'm your shepherd. And Claudia is not here today, or I'd have her do it, because she makes the greatest sheep noise. Yeah, that. That sounded like a goat almost, but I don't know who did it. But anyway, we won't point fingers. Whatever a, a sheep sounds like, the pastor's role is to oversee the local body. And here's the thing. Uh, pastors and teachers are typically included under one class. The two belong together, pastors and teachers. That's why... There was, there was no article in between them like there was the rest of the gifts. And here's how this man put it. He said, no man is fit to be a pastor who cannot also teach, and the teacher needs the knowledge which pastoral experience gives. So that's why those two need to... They're married, okay? Pastor, teacher. Their responsibility, oops, is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The leader's responsibility is to lead this church, not the lay people. Are you hearing me? I am here to equip God's people. That means that I, I help you figure out where you're supposed to be, and that's Hence the general idea for the message this summer. This is where we're going. To do what? Equip God's people to do what? To do, to do His work. His work, not my work. And what is His work? Make disciples. Send out the missionaries. Feed the poor. Heal the brokenhearted. Whatever God puts on this church's heart minister to the people in the jail, 
minister through the food pantry, minister through to the homeless. You know what, Pastor? Uh, I shouldn't say it. I didn't ask permission. I'll let him share it. We're Jesus with skin on. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. And the goal, here it is, to build the church, to add to the numbers. God wants heaven full of people who have bought into the sacrifice that his son made for us. God wants heaven filled with people who have learned to love him and love their neighbor as themselves. God wants heaven full of people who want to be with him forever and spend forever with each other. So if we can't even get along here, what makes you think we're going to do so hot in heaven? Forever. Does that make sense? We need to work on this now. God gives us 70, 80 years to do this. Some of us take longer than others. How long? Ephesians, and this is my last verse here. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Some feel that we won't be there until we're in our glorious bodies. You know, how, how are we to be uh, mature in the Lord? How are we to measure up to His fullness? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of His glorious standard. I don't know that we can. Others feel that Paul was just saying, look, you need to do your best. Keep improving. Keep moving toward heaven, not away from heaven. And if you do that, then you're on the right path. Whichever one it is, the bottom line is we're all in this together. Right? Now I want you to look around this room and and listen, if you're online, you're going to have a hard time doing that. But what I'm trying to get you to see is this is your family. And if I could just show you, there's a bunch of people in here today. You are just as much a part of our family. We miss the daylights out of you. And listen, I understand. If you're home, no condemnation here, all right? I don't mean any harm by that. I'm just saying you were missed. But this is our family. You are our family at home. We're all part of God's body, His church. We're all in this together. Hallelujah. Here's the cool part. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to cut some things because I've already gone over. In verse 11, we see that God called pastors and teachers, all right, to teach people. That's you. Everybody say, that's me. What are we to teach you? We're to teach you about Jesus and his calling. 
I believe our primary responsibility as pastors and teachers is to help you figure out what your gifts are, what your calling is, and then putting you in that right place. And this is so important. I talked a little bit about this already, about the first, second, and third string. We want all of you people to be in the first string of your calling. If we can get you there, this church, first of all, you're going to grow more rapidly than at any other point. You will grow much quicker, you will mature much faster if you're in the right place where God has called you. But here's the kicker, and this is the beautiful part. And I think I've got that up here. When people operate in their calling, the church grows rapidly. That's what the Holy Spirit downloaded into me this week. And I fought with this message. I did. I, I had other stuff in here. He had me hone this thing down, believe it or not. You should have seen the original. And he said, Norm, if my people will see this, that I have put a calling on each one, I'm growing them up to do something special. And if you can help get them into that place, and it's not just me, it's, it's all of the leaders here. We're trying to get you. So, so when we come to you and ask you if you'd consider doing something, you know, don't immediately just, ah. And, and don't say, let me pray about it. I'm asking you to do that now. Pray about it now. God, what do you want me to do in your church? So that when we come to you, or better yet, when you come to us, you're going to say, hey, I know what I'm supposed to do. And we're going to go, ah, nice. And we'll do everything we can to get you in that place. Now listen to this. Sometimes we have to get to know you a little bit. We have to work with you. You have to work with us so you know how we operate. Yeah. And before the summer's out, we're, we're going to do some training, and you'll be invited to that. All right. But until then, pray. Ask the Lord, what is it you want us to do at the Hope? If you're at home, pray. Ask the Lord, what is it you want us to do? So that when this COVID-19 thing is over, when we can come back together without any strings attached, we're going to be ready to see the miraculous. We're going to be ready for a wave of what I feel is going to be revival in God's church. And people are going to be brought in, who we've been praying for. People are going to hear the love of God. They're going to hear about Jesus. And they're going to give their hearts to the Lord. That's coming. Now, I, want to, I wanted to share this. Oh, I should have put that up. Together we are super effective, and as one we are invincible. I, I just love that. I wanted to share a little story, and I'm going to close. This was found on Facebook. I don't know who wrote it. I tried to find out who wrote it. I have no idea. But it was so fitting that I thought, you know what, I'm going to share it. If you've already read it, don't give it up. Know your value. 
A father said to his daughter, you know what, honey, you graduated with honors. Here's a car. I've had this for years. It's, it's been in the barn, but I want to give it to you. But here's what he said. He said, before, you, before I give it to you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the used car lot and ask them what they'll give you. Okay, Dad. So she goes. She comes back and Dad says, well, what'd they say? And she said, well, they offered me $1,000. They said it was in pretty rough shape. Okay, honey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down to the pawn shop and ask them what they'll give you for this car. So she did what her dad said. Gets to the pawn shop. And she says, sir, what will you give me for this car? He looks at it, 100 bucks for that piece of junk. Comes back, tells dad, 100 bucks. Dad says, now I want you to do one more thing. I want you to go down to the car club here in town. And I want you to ask them, what will you give me for this car? And she went in, <laughs> heard their offer, and came back home. And the dad said, what'd they say? And she said, some people in the club offered me $100,000 because this is a Nissan Skyline R34, an iconic car that's sought after by many. <laughs> that old piece of junk don't look so bad now, does it? And the father said to his daughter, the right place values you the right way. If you're not valued, don't get angry. It only means that you're in the wrong place. Those who know your value are those who appreciate you. Never stay in a place that doesn't value you. And I just want to say this to all of you. We value you, young and old. I, I think I even put that up. We value you people. And if you're not in the right place, don't get angry. Work with us. Let's figure out where you belong. So that you're in the right place, where you're serving God with the right calling, and your value goes from $100 to $100,000. And that, of course, that's a lot more than that in God's economy. But you get the idea. It's exponential. Would you stand with me? I don't know what God's going to do with this church, but I, I believe it's going to be supernatural. That's right. But we have to be willing to put ourselves in the potter's hand and to say, God, your will be done, not mine. When he called me to be a pastor so many years ago, I want to tell you something right now. I was scared absolutely to death. I didn't even know how to speak in front of people. And he gave me, started giving me opportunities, and I didn't even know it. He, started, he, he had me speak at a guy's retirement party. But I loved the man, so it was easy. And I, I, I also figured out that, you know what? When you love somebody, it's really easy to say good things. 
If you love your church family, it's going to be really easy to say good things. If you don't, then there's some issues. <laughs> you got to figure out, all right, is there something wrong? Is it me? Is there sin in my life? Uh, do I think more highly of myself than I should? You need to get to a place where you say, look, I need to be able to love my church family. And if you don't, get that relationship, get on your face before God and, and ask him what's wrong so that I can make it right, so he can make it right. The last slide, John, if you'd put that up. We're part of, say this with me. We are part of one body, the body of Christ. We are all in this together to achieve great things in and for Jesus Christ. We do that best when we value one another as family. Can I ask you to do that? Can I ask you to pray and ask the Lord, what would he have you do? Father God, we are again humbled to be here today. I thank you for this strong word that you put on my heart. But Lord, it's nothing unless it's received. And I pray today for every person in this room, Lord, that regardless of where they're from, if they're not from uh, Gaylord, I pray that they would find a local church. If they're listening online and they're in a different community, I pray they would find a local church where they can use their gifts in that local body, Lord, those special gifts that you've given them so that that church can grow and grow exponentially. We pray for the hope, Lord. We pray that you would grow this body like never before. As we find our places in this body, in this family of believers, God, I pray you would explode the potential of this place. And Holy Spirit, we would invite you to come and have your way. Lord, empower us for service so that the lost will be one, the lost will be found, and then one into your kingdom. Lord, use these people. Keep us safe as we come and go. I'm going to close with that today. God bless you. Thank you for coming on live stream, Facebook. Thank you for being here live today. Love you guys. God bless you. In Jesus' name.